Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Welcome to Tea Time Theology. I'm your host, Mariah Wakande, and today's guests, we have Pastor Linda Forsberg and Orville Forbes. Welcome, Linda and Orville. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so before we get started, I wanted to ask um, you, did you prepare a quote that you kind of live your life by? I did. One immediately came to mind when I got your email, and it's a quote that we use every week at Church Beyond the Walls before we head down to Burnside Park, where we gather for worship. We've at this point we've co like we've completed our prep time, either our food when it's non-COVID times we actually bring food, or during COVID we bring care packages. So we're all prepared. We're ready to go. And we always say a prayer before we go down, but I always preface it by sharing a quote that I just, I don't know, I, I came up with a few years ago and it's my daily prayer now every time I leave my home. And we always do it, say it right before we go down to the park and it's simply this. Um, oh God, may I see you in all I encounter this day, and may I reflect you to all I encounter. Amen. Or we, we do it when we're in a group, we do it in the plural. May we see you, O God, or Christ, in all we encounter and reflect you to all we encounter. Amen. Amen. It, it really like changes the way or sets the tone I feel for how we see everyone um, because um, sometimes you see some people who are you know strung out on drugs for example and and can you still really see Christ in that person or you see someone being really belligerent to other people or uh, can you still see Christ in that person? And so I, it's just, I think it's really an important pause before we head down. Orville, what do you think? Because you're he's so used to this too. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, 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 the verse is said everything before we go to a week. It is it put us in the frame of mind to 
look for Christ, try to see Christ in everybody we accomplish. And as I said before, um, not care what the situation is, you can see Christ in. You know, you know the person is being disruptive, as well also, you can see Christ in that person. And you can also take the good with the bad. Yes. I love that. And especially, you know, in these times where it feels like anything anyone says or does is taken with such weight and with such offense that reminding that reminder to not only see Christ, to see God in all that you see, but to also reflect in all that you do. Um, You know, it's both being thankful and being willing to reach out that hand of understanding. And it's also, you know, a reminder to yourself to, to try to be your best self and be the person that God inspires you to be. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful. Um, you both are part of an organization called church beyond the walls. And, you know, I think we should just jump right in and talk about what is it and how was it formed? Orville, do you want to go first? I don't. Go ahead first. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> first. Go ahead, Pastor Linda. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, Church Beyond the Walls uh, was founded about eight years ago. Uh, it came out of the Occupy Providence movement. So if you remember the Occupy Wall Street movement and then cities around the country kind of took off from that and and had Occupy Philadelphia, Occupy, you know, um, Providence in our case. And so people from all different walks of life literally camped out in Burnside Park, where we now gather for worship. And you had people protesting all of the abuses uh, from the the banking industry, you know, when when they had the um, they foreclosed on so many people's homes, and they had given all those bad loans to people um, who really couldn't afford to pay them, and then you know, really just exacerbated a crisis that already existed. And so this resulted in many, many people losing their homes and an increase in those experiencing homelessness. So you had people from churches who who agreed with this, who wanted to sort of protest and make a statement. You had a lot of students who agreed with this, um, a lot of social justice activists, a lot of people who were experiencing homelessness and and live outside and were happy that finally people were becoming more aware of this issue and joining them in their um, protest. So that's kind of what happened in this little Episcopal church, Church of the Epiphany in Rumford, uh, Rhode Island, decided to send a group down there. And at that point, their two pastors were Jennifer Padrick um, and... Um, Edmund Aris. I'm having a little... Yes, yes. Um, Edmund... Harris. Harris? Yeah. Okay. 
and um, Father Edmund, I just always think of. And so they brought a little red wagon, a red flyer wagon with hot coffee sandwiches, socks, because people camping outside always need clean, dry socks, and Holy Communion. And so that's how it began. And then um, weekly, a community would kind of form and wait for them to come with their little red rag wagon of supplies. And then um, months later, when Occupy Providence packed up and, you know, got back to their lives, those who were living still in the park or living outdoors, those experiencing homelessness, asked if the folks from Epiphany could still continue to come. And so they agreed. And that's how it began. And it's been going on for eight years now. And until COVID, we had never missed a single Saturday, no wow. matter what the weather. That's great. And so, um, Orville, maybe you can speak first. How did each of you get involved? Oh, I get involved by accident. <laughs> um, one of um, a member of my church at the time was going. So watch out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a member of my church was going to the, um, the de- as to be a deacon in the sermon program, and that Saturday he couldn't make it down there. So he called me and said, "Oh, I need a favor." I said, "What's that?" He said, "Can you go down to church behind the walls?" I said, "What's that?" I didn't know what church behind the walls was. He said, "Well, you know." Do you know this person? I said, yes. And I said, okay, they're doing a program in, in, in the park, in Burnside Park. I said, can you bring me bring some eggs down? So I said, sure, I can do that. So I went down with the eggs and enjoyed the service and enjoyed it. So, and I said, okay. So the following week, I went back and bring some more eggs. And Jennifer Hoffman said, oh, do you mind coming every week and helping us? I said, sure, I will come. So I went down and called helping. And she called me. No, before the RS called me, I said, oh, can you come over and help us make sandwiches? <laughs> I said, well, I don't know if I can because it's so far away. And I said, sure, I'll come over. So I went over and I started help them. And so I've been in wow ever since. <laughs> and how many years is that? That's seven and a half years ago. Oh, wow. So you've been there almost from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah. And how about you, Linda? How do you find Church Campbell? You've been there a little longer than I have, actually. Mm. So I have been involved, I think, for seven, I think for seven years now. Um, I have a friend who, who is a lot younger than I, and I mentored her. I was her youth leader. And she grew up and became a pastor and started a street church in Northampton, Mass. Um cathedral in the night she's pastor stephanie smith and um so we were trying to support her ministry from afar which we did and then someone in my church that i pastor first lutheran church said well it's too bad there's nothing like this closer to us and that very weekend there was an article in the providence journal about church beyond the walls so when we discovered there is something just like this closer to us i went down right the weekend the week after that article came out and introduced myself and met father edmund and 
had lunch and we started jumping in and getting involved, a whole group from First Lutheran. And then five years ago, well, Edmund left. Um, shortly after I started getting involved, he left and moved to um, Seattle. And another guy, Waylon Whitley, who'd been the music minister, got involved. And he left after um, a year and a half and asked if I would be interested. So I'd been a volunteer, you know, for a couple of years at that point. And now I've been the missioner for it'll be five years. That's amazing. And, um, you know, you've kind of started to hint at some of the things that you do. You gather in Burnside Park. It sounds like you make sandwiches and maybe breakfast. Can you talk about some of the other activities that you do, maybe regular ones, and then also specific one-off events? Mm -hmm. Do you want to begin, Orville? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we, we, as I said, we don't do... Uh, Breakfast. We do, a, and we're not a feeding ministry. We do a ministry, and we've um, for um, our coffee hour in more lesser states. We have the, we, we serve in the people in the park. We turn our um, halter into a feeding in table. So that's one thing we do. We also try to provide the needs because people are almost in the park. We provide the needs of, with socks and hats and gloves. And sometimes coats, because a lot of them out there and don't have even a coat to wear in winter. So we try to um, um, provide them with those type of event. But we do also in programs, um, we do, a, as possible in the in later Bible study, we do a book club, we do different type of ministry, we do um, try to work with social justice, talk about social justice and so forth. Um, because a lot of our people um, um, struggle through these um, programs. And so we try to let them know that, yes, because although you're in this program, you're in this situation, these people still love you and we're still here to serve you. And whatever we can serve them, we try to serve them. That's Linda. Sure. Yeah. So in addition to the weekly, as Orville said, we're first and foremost a worshiping community. Um, but um, we... And, and our meal that we serve is sort of just like every church has a coffee hour. So we consider we just have a more substantial time of hospitality and it's a, it's a meal. Mm -hmm. um, but we also um, have weekly Bible study. And during the decent weather, we have it in our community garden. We have a community garden at Roger Williams Park um, near the zoo. And the idea behind that is to actually teach people um, who are members of our community about gardening and healthy eating and healthy food choices and help them to learn how to produce food, etc. Um, so that's one of our ministries. And the Bible study is um, really a way to try to apply our faith on a, on a daily basis to our lives and to what we're going to. So it's, you know, we talk about the situations in our lives and how the Bible can give us strength and encouragement. So it's very like kind of applied to daily living. And then as Orville said, we also have um, uh, periodic 
classes. Like we've done in the last few years, we've done a lot of anti-racism work. We have um, using um, program um, through the Rhode Island State Council of Churches and um, and we've have several people who've been through that anti-racism training and um, even a few who've uh, gone through the facilitators training. We also have a partnership with the Rhode Island um, with the Interfaith Counseling Center because mental health issues are big and everywhere, but in our community particularly. And so um, we actually got a grant from Episcopal Charities to help the, the mental health piece, to help the counseling piece of our ministry, because we really have a lot of people who uh, benefit from having that mental health um, help. Um, boy, we have periodic midweek gatherings around different topics like Advent or Lent or right now we just had a book study on Henry Nouwen's work, The Wounded Healer. So various ongoing things throughout the week, you know, to keep people connected and growing in their faith and um, to give them daily strength. And are these events mostly at Burnside Park? Some of the, um, the worship always is. The, the Bible study usually is at the community garden in Roger Williams Park. Now that the gardening season has kind of come to an end, we're actually, usually we meet inside at the diocese. The diocese gives us a room to meet in. And all of our gatherings, we try to include food because many of our people are very food insecure. Um, but right now we're not allowed to do indoor gatherings. So we're going to use some outside space at the diocese um, that has sort of some, a little bit of shelter from the weather, just some sides and uh, overhead, but is open mm-hmm. for the weather. Um, so yes, we do. And, and I've even met people in the past pre COVID we at one point had um, some gatherings at like Dunkin' Donuts or, you know, public places where people gathered anyway downtown. And who would you say are the main like groups of people that you serve or that you interact with a lot through this type of ministry? Do you want? Why don't you start, Orville? I think we meet. Um, we were a lot of street people. Uh, when I say street people, some of them um, they love to be on the street. That um, some I, I always say they're homeless because some of our shelters, but I love to be out on the street because um, that's you know feel comfortable. And that's one of the most people meet. We have people from different um, denominations. We have different different um, churches come out and support us. And, you know, so we have a variety of people in, in there, you know, non-denomination. So you know, we just try to um, minister to whoever who come to the park and on Saturdays and um, we're there on Saturdays. 
you know, you know, Bible study is also open to anybody who feel wanted to discuss what's going on in their life or wanted to um, learn more about the Bible or, you know, how to live a Christian life. I would say that this is Churchman in the Walls is to me it's the most um, it's the closest thing you know Dr. Martin Luther King talked about the beloved community and to me it's the closest thing I glimpsed to that I always call it our beloved community at Churchman in the Walls because it's the most diverse community I've ever been a part of. Um, We truly do have people from all walks of life. Like we have people who are living in poverty and homelessness, you know, right, who live in that park. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have people extremely highly educated and and wealthy who, who feel um, they want to support a ministry like Church Beyond the Walls and who are fabulous, um, you know, su- give generously of their time and of their financial support and of their presence um, and everything in between, you know. Um, so that's what I, I'd say I most love. And religiously, we, you know, everyone's welcome of various faith traditions. Um, in terms of LGBTQ persons, everyone's welcome. Um, racially, we have a lot of diversity. Uh, just, and, you know, economically, educationally, you name it. I mean, we've got it all. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing to me. I just love that. Yeah, really, it really does sound like people from all walks of life are coming together in giving and receiving services, um, whether that be through the the ministry service that happens at Burnside Park or the, you know, the Bible study, um, other events. So I, it sounds really lovely and like we need more of it. Um, and it, it makes a lot of sense how it could just sneak up on you Orville. And then all of a sudden you've been doing it for seven and a half years. Um, you know, speaking of people from all different walks of life and in different churches, you know, I was wondering if each of you could talk about your personal faith and how you, how you came to find God and be in the church that you are now and um, how that informs your life. Well, I grew up in the Anglican church. Uh, it was just, it, it, you know, in, in, the, in the Caribbean, it's called the Anglican church. In, in, in England, it's called the church of England. And here it's called Episcopal church. So I pretty much grew up in the Anglican church and I come here into the U.S. So when I get to the U.S., I couldn't find an Anglican church and I found an Episcopal church. So I joined the Episcopal Church here. Before I joined the Episcopal Church, I, I, I visited several other um, denominations, and I've come back to my home where I feel comfortable in, in the Episcopal Church. In the church I'm, I'm in, in worshiping at right now is the Church of the Transfiguration, and I stumbled upon the Church of the Transfiguration also by chance. You know, I was in living in Providence for a while, and I leave out of Providence and I live in Cranston. And 
when I come to Christ, I went, I went to the next Episcopal church because when I was living in Hartford, I was, I was in worship at the Trinity in Hartford. I said, okay, let's try the Trinity Church here in, in Cranston. And I went there a couple of times. I never feel um, welcome, never feel at home. And a couple of times I went to All Saints in Providence. And one Sunday morning, I was there to go to church at All Saints in Providence. And I was there. I said, listen, there's a, there's a church right here next door to me. So I stopped in. And when I stopped in there, I was... Um, feel welcome and there was two young ladies well as I said young lady there was two ladies ushering Audrey Rose and Sue Berkeley and I said and called me welcome me and such forth and we're leaving I said oh you're gonna join us for coffee I said no because I've other plans so I have to I'm not gonna stay today so okay we'll see you next time I said okay we'll come back and I went back two weeks later and one of the ladies was ushering, the other one was greeting, and I said, oh, you come back. And they give me a sort of warm welcome and started to talk to me and introduce me to everybody, like they know me forever. And I've been feel welcome there. I've been there now since 2006. I've all several different positions in, in and the vestry. And, you know, I feel like my home. And I just, um, the Church of Transfiguration is a, a pretty much a lot like um, Church Ben Walls in the sense that we do a lot of outreach with um, worship, um, you know, indoor, outdoor. We do programs that involve our in community. We do yard sale and we do um, blessed animals. We do all those fears to get the kids in the neighborhood come out and do stuff in petting zoo and such forth. And so we do in a food closet and we do a thrift shop that in pretty much everything is a quarter. And so we do the thing that encourage people in the community and people who don't have the necessary needs that, you know, most everybody else have can come and enjoy themselves. And um, as I said, our we have a very diverse ministry there eh, because I know we're very small parish. We have an average attendance of approximately 39 people, but a very busy, very outgoing group of people and very, you know, everybody's very much get involved and do a lot eh, for the community. You know, so I just eh, enjoy the Episcopal Church I enjoy um, different denominations so that, you know, although um, because I grew up and in the Episcopal Church, and funny thing about Episcopal Church, and uh, what I grew up in, it was my godfather at the time was the minister, and so it was pretty much, it forced me to be in ministry. But I think, you know, and <laughs> uh, my godfather, he, he, he was the type of person, being, although he was an Anglican in priest, he still teach outside in the ministry, outside in Anglican school, because he was that type of person. He was just a man of faith. So I learned to be a person of faith. And, you know, the first time I used to say I'm not a Christian, but I'm a person of faith. 
but you know what because i just have the faith and have the love of god and whatever i think i do i do because of the love of god and try to um, hopefully everybody see christ in, in me whatever i do and that in what i say you know because you can go there and keep on talking about god and so on but you have to live the life and that's what i try to do And what about you, Linda? So I grew up um, in Rhode Island and in a Lutheran church, which um, today it's still there, St. Paul's Lutheran Church on Elmwood Avenue in South Providence. And that is um, Lutheran, but it's the very strict branch of the Lutheran church called the Missouri Synod, which is not where I'm at at all. It's... um, it's, they still do not ordain women, for example. Um, so when I was 15, I felt called to be a pastor. And um, so I had to leave that branch of the Lutheran church in order to become a pastor. Um, I'd say growing up, my parents were a very deep influence on me because they really lived their faith. And that made a huge impression on me, like what Orville was saying. You know, they they didn't just talk the talk, they walked the walk. And that made a big impact on me as a young person. And then when I went to college, I went to Brown, as you know, we're both alums, right, of Brown. Yep. And, um, and at Brown, interestingly, I went to Catholic Mass every day because um, I wanted something daily. And they the Catholic church was the only one that offered daily mass and I got really involved with the Catholic community um and and then went to um Harvard Divinity which was to be um you had uh, a school of all the world's religions, a center for world religions at Harvard. So I was, I would go to worship with people who uh, were Hindu and Buddhist and Muslim and Jewish. And, you know, we'd have, so that really was a, a, a beautiful experience, challenging and, and beautiful at the same time. And at Harvard Divinity, I also got very involved in the, um, uh, the worship services of a group called Harambe, which was the um, the African American student um, group, had this worship, and I just loved it. And they let this white young woman come to their worship, and um, and I that was every week, and that's where I really grew to love like a lot of the African American spirituals and that style of preaching and the black church. And, and so that all these influences, you know, come together, I think, and, um, and affect us as time goes on. And then I, my first church was in rural Pennsylvania. So that was a wow. total culture. Different from black church. <laughs> Dairy farmland, Pennsylvania, but um, still friends with folks from that church too, and um, and you know, then ended up back in Rhode Island to do doctoral work, and and you know, but 
I love, um, as I, as you can see in all areas of my life, I love like diversity and, and just people of various, um, backgrounds and just walks of life. I think it expands us and enriches us. And to me, that's what the reign of God is all about and, and looks like it's all kinds of people working together, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, that kind of brings us back into Church Beyond Walls because you have people from all different kinds of churches and parishes, and you have people who are not connected to the church at all. And they're coming together, um, not only to worship, not only to be a part of a community, but to offer services to people in need. Um, So I, I was hoping we can talk a little bit about you know, who is in need? What do they need? And, and especially during these pandemic times, how, how have these communities who have been, you know, already so regularly and not even thought of as being marginalized in the way that, in the ways that they are, you know, how how have you seen these communities, these needs evolve and, and how has Church Beyond Walls tried their best to to address these? That's what you're gonna take it. Go ahead, Corvette. I think this one fit you more. Well, well, well from my point of view, we, we do have a lot of people who or needs are from all different different needs them have. We have people who are in Need need of shelter, need of home. We have people who just need um, spiritual guidance. We have people who just need someone there to speak with him because of their um, need of uh, their substance abuse, and they just need someone to be there and to accept them as where they are and to be able to speak with them and to, and to give them whatever guidance that they need. We also have people who are in need um, financially, and we uh, we try to, we don't have a lot of money to give them, but we do, do whatever we can to uh, to support them. Pastor Linda go out her way several times to support these people. I, I can give you a story. We was there once Saturday morning. We have a Saturday afternoon. We have a service, and it was cold. And there was a young lady out there with her shoes, and Pastor Linda take her shoes off. And give it to a young lady, and walk back, <laughs> and walk back to into the diocese with those shoes on. So that type of service we are. That's the person in Plasterlin the his. and you know. So you know, when people come out and say and need and whatever way we can help them, we try and um, to um, help them. And you know, Plasterlin um, have more stories than we more how she go out and all in church and the walls able to help in different individuals and such forth. But um, you know, we try whatever we can do, not just to feed them in, in, in physically and spiritually, but you know, emotionally also. Mm, you know, yes. And that's a need mostly, I mean, a lot of emotional in people. In our, in our self-description, we say something like feeding people spiritually and physically on the streets of Providence week after week. And I, I think it really is both like our, 
our community definitely has more physical needs than your average community. You know, we have people who literally do not have a roof over their head um, and who are wondering where their next meal is going to come from. Uh, we also have, yes, a higher amount, I would say, of substance abuse, yeah. uh, mental health issues, and a big thing that I have discovered is we have a huge percentage of people who've experienced trauma in their lives. And that is uh, like off the charts in our community. And so I think that that's almost like a root cause of a lot of the other, like of the substance abuse or, or even the, um, the fact that they're experiencing homelessness. They've experienced trauma on some level. You know, many people have you know, been victims of violence, violent crime. Um, many have lost children, um, sometimes in very violent, horrific ways. It's always horrific, but, um, you know, so there's this level of trauma that's huge in our community. And so I'd almost say that even greater than the physical needs are the emotional and spiritual needs. And I feel like a lot of times people just want to be part of a community where they feel uh, they're not alone. You know, that's almost like the biggest need I feel. And, and COVID has of course exacerbated that problem because so many people feel isolated um, and feel deeply alone. So um, those physical material needs have gotten worse, of course, also. Um, but it's that deep hunger for, you know, to be part of a, a place where you belong. Years ago, when I first came on, we surveyed our community and we said, what does Church Beyond the Walls mean to you? And the biggest answer we got, the most common answer we got was, you are the one thing in my life I feel I can count on. And that really hit home, you know, um, that we show up week after week after week. We just show up and we are community. Like we, people know each other's names. People care for each other. Um, so I'd say that's like the biggest thing. Yes, we've helped people move from being unhoused to being housed. Yes, we've helped pay rent. Um, yes, we've helped pay medical expenses and done funerals for, for folks and, uh, you know, all, you know, helped get people into rehab treatments and get counseling needs met and all of that. But I'd say it's just that being there consistently and caring, that is the biggest thing. And accept them to who they are, the way they are. And if you're counted with that, that we accept them, okay, what, where they are and what they look like. I think that's really beautiful. You know, in my line of work, I do HIV research in Sub-Saharan Africa. 
And, you know, right now all of my work is in South Africa and I work with people who use drugs, people who use violence and people who experience violence. Um, I've worked a lot with people who are homeless and people who are houseless, both abroad and also a lot in Rhode Island too. And it's really, it's really wonderful and it's really heartening to hear this kind of work being done because, you know, in my experience as well, what I hear is, is just someone to be there. Um, I was speaking with a friend, you know, earlier today um, in the Jewish faith about sitting Shiva, you know, which is this Mm -hmm. concept of just being present. And, you know, if someone experiences this traumatic event or, you know, chronic trauma, And, you know, if they're lucky enough to even get to a place of support, you know, maybe people rush in with support and are really strong at the beginning, but over time, you know, people trickle back into their own lives. um, And then they're, they're alone again. And I think what is so amazing about Church Beyond Walls that I'm hearing is, is that presence, that consistency to just be present with people, to not judge them, to just be with them, accept them, worship with them, break bread with them, make bread with them. Um, it's really beautiful. And, um, and I'm sure a lot of listeners along with me are wanting to be a part of it. And so I'm hoping maybe you can tell us how one, how different parishes can be, apart can get involved and can support you guys and then also how individuals can can be involved excellent do you want to jump in orville yeah well um we we have ox parishes to come along and help us and support us um especially in the winter months um well before covid we use alum in bring us soups and such what help us provide so we can get provide a warm in beverage or something for the in people in the park in the winter, because a lot of in people in the park in the winter, especially in the winter, the only meal they get or the only warm, hot meal they get is what we provide them with, we provide them with a cup of soup on, like, on, a, on a Saturday. So you know we try to do that for them on a, on a Saturday. So we ask people if they can come out and support us that way. We also ask if a person if they can come out and support you by donating. Gloves, hats, socks, especially for the winter months because um, those are needed. You know, most people in, in a in a is in a park and um, they don't have the access to wash their socks, so they need new socks in very often to when they change their socks. So that's why we ask people to donate socks. We need in the gloves because yes, they need to keep them arms warm and their head warm. So we offer those items, and that's all in. Um, Parishes can support us. Individuals can support us by just coming out and be a part with us, in, celebrate with us on, on Saturdays, in, help us package up in the, the stuff we bring to the park and help us to transport itself to the park. So are you guys now back to meeting regularly at Burnside Park? Yes, we meet every Saturday at Burnside Park from 2 o'clock until... We deal with our refreshment, and then we, we transport back to the diocese. 
Okay. And if, so if people wanted to get involved more actively, they can show up at Burnside Park in Providence, 2 p.m. on a Saturday. Um, but if people wanted to donate, whether that be hats, gloves, socks, um, any other, you know, hot soups for, for when you do meals, where, how would they get in touch? How would they make that donation? You can contact the Pastor Linder and we make arrangements to receive a diocese. And so we all get a diocese between 12 and 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I set a morning, so we prepare ourselves to go to the in the park. Okay, so Linda, can you tell us a little bit more about how to contact you and also all the social medias for Church yeah. Beyond Walls? Yes. So uh, we have a Facebook page, Church Beyond the Walls, and we also have. You can reach me at Pastor Linda Forsberg at Gmail or Missioner at the Church Beyond the Walls. Um, and in before pre-COVID, <laughs> I worked really hard to develop partnerships with um, different congregations, but also like we have a group of Brown students, Brown Christian Fellowship, um, and, and we had the Canterbury Club at URI and these other groups of like students or uh, Girl Scouts, all youth groups, you know, all different groups who would take turns coming and helping on Saturdays to prepare the food, bring it down to the park, help, you know, participate in worship, participate in the meal, and then schlep everything back with us and, and um, help us put it all away. COVID certainly complicated things and also, you know, the rules about gatherings, public gatherings. So we had to stop meeting for a brief time in, I think it was March, April, when COVID was just starting and, you know, we couldn't gather. But very early on, we said, well, we're going to still go down there and I'll just go with like we went two by two, just two of us. We got out our little red wagon again. And we brought, um, at first we were doing like bag lunches and handing those out. And we would just touch in with people, say a prayer, et cetera. More recently, um, we, we resumed worship in July. And so we gather, and per Bishop Nicely's advice, which was great advice, instead of doing food, which gets into all kinds of, you know, sketchy issues with health and safety right now, where he made a large donation to us through his um, discretionary funds. And we've been doing uh, little gift cards to a local restaurant for people. Uh, so we gave a care package instead of a meal. And so it has socks and a blessing and um, some healthy pre-wrapped snacks and a bottle of water and some toiletries, you know, various items that people would need and this little gift card to a local food place. Um, so that's how we've been doing it since then. I just talked with him and we're going to be on special occasions. We're going to try once a month having a local restaurant actually like cater 
uh, a hot meal pre-made, pre, you know, individually packaged following all the restaurant rules, because I just feel like actually a meal is better for like that sense of community and fellowship. Right. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we always need help like preparing the stuff we're going to bring beforehand. And so we usually meet at noon to do that and then bring everything down. So right now, some communities, even communities that are COVID fearful and say, we don't want to go down. What can we do? I'll tell you, we have lots of communities who are doing fabulous things of like collecting healthy prepackaged snacks like granola bars or little packages of um, nuts or peanut butter crackers or, you know, water bottles, toiletries, feminine hygiene products, like all the things we take for granted, you know, um, and as Orville said with winter, hats, gloves, scarves, hand warmers, um, thermal socks, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, and then people will take up a collection and then give that to us. And that helps enormously. So there's many, many ways, you know, that people can help, whether they want to come in person or gather stuff that we will, we will share, you know, that's great. Um, you know, we're getting close to our time here, but I just wanted to thank you both so much for being on the podcast and also for doing such great work that you do with Church Beyond the Walls. And, um, you know, I hope people out there listening are feeling invigorated and feeling, you know, hopeful that we'll all get through this together. And, um, hopefully we can support each other through that. So I thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you thank for you. all that you do. It was great to meet you. Yeah, you too. And we'll put all your um, contact and social media information in the podcast description. Excellent. Thank all you right. so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology. We would like to thank our sponsor, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nicely. We would like to thank Mario Aconde and Jack Zornado for the music, Taylor Wilkie and Ivy Swinsky, our producers, as well as our guests today. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy. Tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary.